Please, where we are everything we want to be, nothing you want us to be, and so much more. Welcome to a series within this podcast called Sexy Chats, where we discuss all things sexual health. And just a little disclaimer, everything that is being discussed in today's episode is based on our own individual research. These are based on mostly factual and evidence-based research. Some of the points being made are also our personal opinion. We encourage you to think critically and do your own research. Do not make this as the whole, do not take this, sorry, as the whole and only truth. Thank you. All right. Today we wanted to give you a rundown on the state of sex education in Malaysia. So let's start with a little personal question, shall we? Shaya, two questions. Did you receive any form of sex ed? Comprehensive mm-hmm. sex head when you were school, um, and did you get the talk from your parents? The short answer is no and no. Um, in school, we kind of did have it. Um, someone came in, like a doctor came in and gave us a little bit of a talk, but like it was mostly just about what the reproductive systems do, and like you know there was mention of like you know using a condom and stuff, and also how to use sanitary pads and things like that, but none of it was. Um, comprehensive at all and it was very much censored like they didn't even show what a real life image of a penis looked like but but there was no issues with showing what a vulva looked like though so that was a bit interesting to see how there was a lot of censorship um and in terms of like getting the talk from my parents not really um i think my parents also trusted me to you know be able to do my own research um <laughs> and also part of the talk that i did get though was like oh sex after marriage and i was like cool oh. <laughs> um but yeah what about you nama um i didn't get any sex ed in school formally so i went to an all girls boarding school in high school so i suppose like our teachers and principals tried to educate us but when your education is kind of steeped in you know their own patriarchal biases and moral complexes. It's pretty hard to have like an open, honest conversation about sexuality. I also vaguely remember attending like a religious studies like meeting. You know, just like how um the Muslim students would have like mengaji. This is like I think for a different type of religion. I don't remember now. Um, but I do remember watching a documentary that I thought was talking about the atrocities of the Holocaust and Hitler, but instead turned out to be a documentary on abortion, which asked the question that if I knew I was pregnant with Hitler and knew of the atrocities he would commit in his lifetime, would I abort the baby? <laughs> and like me, in my teens, I was like, oh, what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, so basically, <laughs> it was like an indoctrination into, you know, like the anti-choice rhetoric. But anyway, I've always been pretty interested in sex ed. And it's because I just believe young people should be able to explore their desires as they experience it. And it kind of will allow us to have a lot of, like, better, healthier relationships with our bodies and sexualities anyway. Um, my parents and I didn't have to talk either. Like, we just didn't talk about sex, period. Um, all I got was, like, a Tash Beta, please remember your principles from my mom when, like, my boyfriend and I <laughs> went on a road trip together for the first time. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Non-existent principles. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so sex education in Malaysia is quite non-existent, at least formally in our national education system, and we want you to understand why. A journal article published by the Asia-Pacific Journal of Public Health in 2014 identified a few key factors affecting the implementation of sex ed curriculum. The factors being feasibility, accessibility, accountability, and strategic issues. The feasibility of implementing a sex ed curriculum in Malaysia is challenged because it's time-consuming. Now, all policies are time-consuming to implement, but the reason why this is seen as such a as such a burden is because it's affected by the lack of agency and importance in wanting to equip our youth with the information needed to take care of their sexual health. Exactly. Um, acceptance is another key factor. You know, we pride ourselves on being a multicultural, you know, multicultural con- country, one Malaysia as we call it, but do we truly practice this in our whole being? I'd argue that we don't. Um, our multicultural identity also means that we have a lot of varying views on morality depending on our religious underpinnings as well. The fact is that no matter your religious beliefs, young people are having sex. Young people need to learn the varying levels of consent. Young people need to learn how to manage their desires and also take care of their sexual health. Yeah, I think the majority have a very reductive view of what sex ed encompasses and it's time to broaden our minds. Sex education is a public health issue. Third of the factor is accountability. Our systems resist change in the guise of resisting to adopt Western values. Damn, I didn't know the whole of the Asian population was celibate. (laughs) But really, it is our school curriculums, educators, and our own families that still see sex as taboo. We operate under the notion that encouraging conversations about sex will only encourage people to engage in sexual activity. Well, I hate to break it to y'all, but people as young as 10 years old are already engaging in sexual content, whether it's pornography, experimenting with masturbation, and whatnot. Sex is not a taboo topic for the youth of today. In fact, most of us demand comprehensive and accessible sex ed. And if we can't get it from schools, we seek out this information online through YouTube, videos, websites, and even online forums. Like I said before, sex education could cover so much more than just the heteronormative view of sex, that is, penetration and reproduction. Sex education could involve educating students in schools about sexual abuse, boundary setting, consent, and even what a healthy relationship looks like. All this creates a domino effect in tackling larger issues that we have in Malaysia, like increased unsafe abortions, teenage pregnancies, child marriage, domestic violence cases, and especially baby dumping. Prevention is better than cure, right? That's all sex ed does. At the very minimum, it prevents a lot of unfortunate consequences faced by most of the youth of today. 100%. In a... 2011 NRC nation-building series, popular figure in Malaysian education, Datofila Pillos, was asked about sex education in schools and focused on the importance of talking about values and principles as opposed to the importance of contraception and educating students on what safe sex looks like. Instead of critically dissecting the issue of baby dumping that intersects with, you know, lack of education and limited access to contraception, she said that if you have values, then you wouldn't dump your babies. 
Well, actually, if we had comprehensive sex ed, then young people that do have sex would understand the importance of protection and consent, and teenagers wouldn't have to deal with unwanted pregnancies. In Malaysia, research has shown that an average of 18,000 girls get pregnant every year. Many of these girls end up going through unsafe abortions or plan to place a child up for adoption. I remember the first understanding of the baby dumping phenomena that I had was really early in my teens. Did you know we have average up to 100 baby dumping cases yearly? Like, this has been going on for a while in Malaysia, and Band-Aid solutions like increased baby hatcheries don't address the real problem. Whilst it helps to make sure the babies are taken care of, it doesn't really address that people are having unprotected sex and uneducated on contraceptive methods, which not only prevent pregnancy, but also prevent contracting STIs. Surveys of Malaysian adolescents have shown an increase in sexual activity in 13 to 17-year-olds from 2.3% in 2014 to 7.3% in 2017. That's a pretty big increase, if you ask me. The previous and current abstinence-only policies won't work, and they never will. Young people are engaging in premarital sex. And to be honest, this strategy also assumes that marriage is something that we all aim towards, which is unfortunate because not everyone opts into the institution of marriage. And even if they wanted to, some of our Malaysians don't have this option. Yep, I'm talking about our LGBTQ plus community. And what do we do for them? Well, nothing, really, honestly. The queer youth don't have much support when it comes to understanding and navigating through their sexuality and sexual health. Even if they had role models in the public eye, everyone has to thread carefully because overt expressions of queerness are more than often not vilified in the Malaysian public sphere. There's so much more that creates a comprehensive sex ed curriculum for our Malaysian population. Some of the things I wish I learned a lot earlier would be consent. Now, this is a big Mm. one. We've covered it here and there, but it's not enough for consent to be no means no. Consent needs to be an enthusiastic yes. If you're not having fun, if you're not enjoying yourself, if you're experiencing pain and wanting to stop but continue just because you feel bad for your partner, that is not it, fam. Some of us really put ourselves through it just so the other person won't be upset. Sex is meant to be enjoyable for both parties and sex tends to be centered around male pleasure instead of male and female pleasure. Again, like Lama said, we need to move beyond the heteronormative standards of what the purpose of sex should be. It is beyond reproduction. Sex is more than just its evolutionary purpose. It allows for intimacy and exchange of energies between two people. And also, it's just fun. Like, you know, so we want to be able to enjoy it. Same fam, 100%. Honestly, I wish that we were told it was important to get regular checkups with your gynecologist, that we need to get regular STI tests, and that these questions are questions that, you know, we need to be asking of all our sexual partners prior to engaging in anything with them. You know, it shouldn't be something that we're embarrassed about. I wish we were more transparent um, when it comes to conversations about HPV vaccines, rape culture. I wish we were thought... That consent, like you said, is not a one-time thing. It's ongoing. It can change. And honestly, this would truly get some Malaysians to understand that marital rape is a thing and it's atrocious. Agreed. Um, My last point, which is the icing on top 
of comprehensive sex ed is that all this information and points are all factual, medical, health, and well-being focused. We talk about getting tested regularly if you have multiple partners. We talk about regular gynae checks, um, safe sex, reproductive health, contraception, and whatnot. But I want us to eventually also be able to shift the conversation beyond that and take it to its next level. I want us to all be living our best lives regardless of age especially. I'm talking about education on how to have good sex, you know, like listening to your partner and really enjoying oh it, God. things like that. You know, is your sex performative or are you, and or are you actually having a good time? You know, is porn your guide to have sex? to having sex or are you communicating and listening to what your partner wants are you present in the moment is your partner attentive to your needs are you attentive to their needs you know these are all important questions because why have sex if you're not actually enjoying it you know it needs to be a win-win exchange relationships are transactional fam don't forget it I know this seems like a bit of a stretch for now, and we're definitely more focused on getting that comprehensive sex ad first, but let's keep this at the back of our minds, though. So, Lama, do you think we have hope, and what would comprehensive sex ad even look like? You know, I think I think we do have hope. You know, at least I would like to hope so. With the growth of social media comes the increase of media outlets talking about sex and drawing attention to our limited sex education um, in our school systems. So let's talk about Denmark, shall we? Denmark has one of the lowest pregnancy rates in people ages 15 to 19. How, you ask? They begin age-appropriate sex ed and one of the first topics that they touch on is consent. Consent. I feel like we've said consent so many times in this, but it's really important. Consent doesn't just apply... Because that's how important (laughs) it is. (laughs) You know, consent doesn't just apply to sex in itself. It applies to touch our relatives, our family, and learning from a young age that no one has the right to our bodies and shouldn't have access unless granted. And why do you ask that they, you know, they have one of the most comprehensive sex ed systems in the whole world, it's because they acknowledge that sex is a natural part of life. You know, no one ever said sex education is going to be comfortable, but it's an important fashion of our lives and thus needs to be normalized and spoken about. To be honest, I personally don't always think age-appropriate helps. I was listening to this podcast by Hannah Witten called Doing It, and one of her guests, Lisa Hallgarden, who's like the head of policy at Brooke, and she mentioned that, you know, what we decide is age-appropriate can be pretty behind for young people actually experiencing, you know, whatever it is it's going through in their bodies and wanting to know things about sex ed. Anyway, regardless, consent is a great place to start. Yeah, and we want to end this by providing you with some resources. We will add a list of them in the episode description and on our Instagram page. Be sure to check them out because knowledge is power and we want you to feel empowered. These are basically um, the different kinds of organizations and um, places you could go to as well if you need help or even just um, influencers or people on Instagram that you can follow to just really get more information about all things sex ed and sex sexual health. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we hope you found this useful and something that's really going to get you thinking. See you in the next episode. Bye! Bye.